24-24 right now. She's obliterating the record. Alicia Barnall is about to four-peat. The only man in history to do it. Kara Goucher, she wanted to do this event. It was important to her. Here in Duluth, how sweet it is. Her arm raised in triumph. Welcome, everybody, to the Gearing Up for Grandma's podcast, brought to you by Essentia Health. I am Zach Schneider, the Marketing and PR Director for Grandma's Marathon. We are joined today by another of our Duluth connections to next month's U.S. Olympic trials in Florida. Nadir Youssef was the top men's Minnesotan finisher in our 2023 Grandma's Marathon. That run earned him a spot in next month's trials, and he joins us today, Nadir Thanks so much for making the time. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thank you very much, Zach, for allowing me to come in and share my story and uh, a little bit of uh, how I got to uh, started at the uh, Grandma's Marathon. And now uh, as I gear up uh, the last three weeks for the uh, marathon trials down in uh, Orlando. So I'm excited to talk with you today. And, uh, you know, yeah. Your story in the world of marathoning is just beginning, so to speak. Uh, our Grandma's Marathon in 2023 was your first career marathon and I'd say you did pretty well you finished 13th uh time of 215 27 and that time was what qualified you uh for the Olympic trials what do you remember most uh about that day what stands out to you about your debut marathon um yeah I think the most thing I uh remember that sticks out the most is um just starting from uh two harbors um you could just see Canal Park the whole time. Like as I've been to Canal Park many times, I'm like, that's where I need to go. Um, and just keeping my eyes peeled out, just the corner of my left eye is like, okay, like that's where I need to go. That's where I need to go. Um, but also, I mean, it was memorable for my first one. Um, had a lot of friends that were there, high school, college teammates, um, and kind of, you know, shared the journey with them. Um, and so... It was, a, it was a fun atmosphere, a lot of uh, fans along the course, you know, giving you that energy to to keep pushing through. Um, and yeah, it, it was a good run, a uh, good first one. Uh, definitely could have been better, but uh, sometimes, you know, you get what you get for your first one, you know, and you take those lessons into the next one and they build on it, so... Did you have any expectations coming into that race being it, it it was your first marathon? Did you meet those expectations? Were there things that you wish you had done differently and, and maybe scored a little bit better time? Or or was that a satisfactory uh, debut for you uh, in Duluth? Uh, yeah, so it was a, my expectation going into it was to hit the uh, Olympic trials uh, standard, which was 218, right? But there were a lot of guys who were chasing that time and we were in a big pack. And I just stayed on pace for that for, you know, goal was to stay on that pace for two, 20 miles. And then after that, start, you know, cooking and going after, you know, running faster because that last six miles is where you can gain a lot of time. Right. Um, and but I ended up just feeling good to eight, at 18 miles and me and another runner just went for it and started hammering from there. Um and thinking that, oh, no, we started uh, two miles too early. Um, we're going to pay for it at 24 instead of, you know, paying for it when we finish. But uh, I thought it was good. Good. Um, we achieved what we could, you know, on that day with the circumstances. And 
get the grandma's crew put on a great event all the way from getting us from the hotel to the start line and making sure that we were able to find our way back um, afterwards. And so, yeah, it checked the box for, for our first one. All you guys in, in that elite group are, are so competitive and there can only be one winner on the day, but uh, the Olympic trials qualifying year is a little bit different where multiple people can meet that 218 time and, and get their ticket to the trials. What were those conversations like with some of those other guys that maybe hadn't met the standard like you hadn't? Uh, were you working together at, at a certain point in the race to try to push each other along to that 218 time or was it kind of really you were in your own race and, and running individually? No, we, we were all uh, supportive of each other because um, we all knew a lot of us in that group had not gotten the qualifier. Uh, there were some that didn't and had to go chase a fall marathon, whether it was at the Twin Cities, which unfortunately didn't happen, and they went on to run maybe Indy or um, CIM or something like that. Um, but all of us collectively were like, hey, we're going to help each other. Even um, there were guys that were sharing bottles with each other, whether – someone had a water bottle that they're like, Hey, my last one was a, uh, whatever hydration mix. This one is a water. I'll share this with you. Um, and passing it around to people or sharing gels. Um, people were just helping each other because we all had a common goal. Like let's help each other. Right. Cause you can go far with, um, with more people, right. Together you can go far, but if you try to go alone, you know, you're not going to go as far as with a group of people. Right. Um, cause you have that mentality of like, okay, like you're just playing mind games with yourself and you're just, you know, doubting yourself. Right. But that group of guys, um, we're all just helping each other, trying to motivate each other and like, keep it going. You know, whether it's maybe guys going to the front and other guys falling back, um, and exchanging leads. So, um, all the guys were very, um, helpful to each other and very friendly, um, uh, cause we all had one goal is help each other get to the trials. And so, yeah. And then from there on out, it was at mile 18, me and one other runner um, just went for it because we were feeling good. And I was like, this time, like, there's only two of us, so we got to stick together, you know? Um, and at 18, we went for it. And then we kind of split at uh, just after Lemon Hill. It's about 21, right, I think? Yep. Yeah. So after that, we just, um, I ended up just putting a surge after um, the hill and just went for it. And I was like, I started seeing people falling back and I'm like, okay, try to get that next person, get that next person. And then, yeah. You hadn't even really done much half marathoning uh, before your debut in Duluth. I think you had done one, but most of your running experience was on the track. You did some cross country as well, but it was mostly that middle long distance track running. What made you want to take on the marathon distance? Yeah, I had done um, the Trials of Miles half um, in March out in New York. Um, and then I did the Indy half, um, which wasn't good weather. Um, and then, yeah, and then before that, I did it the 20K out in New Haven. But everything before that was just, you know, 10Ks on the track, 5Ks, because I was still in college. Uh, but the move to the marathon just seemed natural for me because – I, from my freshman year, I was running 10 Ks and I was like, okay, like the longer distance is my thing. Um, and as we've progressed, we're kind of like, Hey, maybe this is what you want to give a try next. Cause you can only do 
so much um, when you're doing, you know, track races and just the travel and, you know, um, and trying to get into races because there aren't that many 10Ks around to go and run, right? Um, unless you're going out west. Um, and so it just was kind of a natural next thing to go from the 10K to, hey, let's give the marathon a try in the half. And so I think it's been a good call. Um, and yeah, we'll keep at it for, for as long as we can. Did I hear correctly after you finished the race in Duluth that most of your training for our race was done on the treadmill? Yeah, yep. Um, most of the training, um, especially to get acclimated to the hill running, because that's one thing we don't have. Uh, it's just a bunch of farmlands out in the Red River and Fargo-Moorhead area. Um, and anytime we were doing hill training, it was just on the treadmill um, twice a week. And just, you know, doing things from all the way from 1% going up to 5% on the um, incline up. And then some days we would just do negative 5 to 7% down uh, incline, negative incline, just to pound the legs. Uh, and so we did a lot of that and um, and it worked. Um, and so now, now we know it works for uh, grandma's uh, next time we come back. So. Yeah, absolutely. That's amazing. Uh, most most runners, I think, would say training for a marathon mostly on a treadmill wouldn't be that much fun. But it, the miles that you have to put on to train for a marathon, is it similar to the training that you had when you were in those uh, longer distance track events? Or did you have to change a lot of what you were doing when you were running collegiately? Um, yeah, so when I was running collegiately, um, I was only getting to maybe 70, 80 miles a week. Um, and at that time, you know, we were just doing classic two, three workouts during the week. Um, but once you jump into the marathon world, you know, you need to um, callous your legs, right? And getting a lot of miles um, and big workouts. Uh, and we were doing, you know, some of the new things that people started doing, like the double threshold stuff um, and accumulating a lot of miles that way of quality miles, but also, you know, getting some of the, um, I like to call them just the easy junk miles, um, just to get the legs moving and recover. Uh, so we're doing a lot of those and then, yeah, I think just the marathon was just, uh, it's all about the numbers game, right. Um, from getting your weekly miles all the way to all the miles that you've done previously, previous weeks, months, years, you know, all that accumulates and, prepares you for that um so um yeah i mean some of the stuff were uh once we switched to the marathon it was just the double what i would do in workouts when i was competing collegially for uh, minnesota state moorhead um and we just double everything so yeah yeah you'd actually run in duluth and been to duluth with your college team minnesota state moorhead before so did you know much about grandma's uh, marathon? Is that a race that you had heard about or something? I mean, you're from Minnesota too, right? You grew up in Wilmer. Yep. Yeah. So I'm from Wilmer. Uh, yeah. We've, I've competed. We've had conference meets for outdoor at Duluth. So um, we spent a couple of weekends there. Uh, I think it was two years in a row, uh, 2019. And then it might've been 2021, I think. Um and I mean, like I've worked, you know, I've got friends who went to school there and come hang out um, and run the um, 
closer to the shore, um, the bike paths and stuff like that um, in the summertime. And um, so I was already familiar, but never got into the marathon because it's always, you know, a couple of weeks after the NCAA season is over. Um, but I'd have friends who would go and run it. And, you know, that's to the extent um, other than going to grandma's uh, saloon, the, the pizza uh, pasta place. Right. Grandma Saloon. Is that what it's called? Right. Yeah. Right next to the finish line area. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I've eaten there many times. Um, and so like, like, oh, yeah, this is it. Uh, this is where people come and eat, you know. Um, yeah. So, I mean, Duluth is a is a great city and it brings a lot of people together. So your time uh, running collegiately at Minnesota State Moorhead. You mentioned that your your primary events were really the 5,000, 10,000. You, you saw a lot of success uh, when you were running for the Dragons. You won a couple conference championships. You were two-time All-American. I think you still own several of the school records in the indoor and, and outdoor events. What brought you to Moorhead in the first place, and, and how would you talk about your four years running there? Yeah, so what originally brought me to uh, Moorhead State was uh, – they're actually one of the um, only teams that actually were asking me to, you know, recruit me and be like, hey, come run here. Uh, but I also had a connection. Uh, my high school coach, Jerry Pop, um, he went to school there and he was an athlete he's in the Hall of Fame. Um, a lot of the Wilmer teachers all got their education degree from Moorhead State. And as a ELL student, foreign language student, um, immigrant student, I thought, you know, I could be the next ELL teacher, whether it's Wilmer or another school district, uh, be a coach and become, you know, the ELL teacher. I was like, yeah, I'm going to go to MSUM because they're recruiting me and they are really, you know, one of the best um, at schools, educate, if you want to become an education major, uh, highly recommend to come there. Um, and so I started in the TESOL program and then um, thinking that I would become an yellow teacher one day and then become a coach and come back to Wilmer. Um, and then I ended up chasing my major just like every other college student, um, which on average they changed their major three times during their undergrad. Um, and so it's a business. Uh, but Ryan was really someone who believed in me. And he said, um, if you come here, you know, there's a process that we have. And if you follow it and you buy into that, um, you will start to see success. And I was really fortunate enough to have um, some great um, leaders on the team my freshman and sophomore year that um, I learned a lot from, from the leadership aspect, also to looking up to them of like, hey, these guys are fast. These guys are competing um, at the national level. They're winning conference titles easily. Um, I want to be able to replicate that. I want to become an All-American. They have school records. I want to take their school records um because school records are meant to be broken right um and so i wanted to write my portion of the we call it the uh i don't know if it's the record book or like your chapter of um the legacy that you want to leave um and i want to like hey i want to have a better one than they did you know i want to elevate the program and so just being able to learn a lot from ryan and um his guidance and uh you know all the faculty staff at MSUM who are there to help you, you know, just outside of being a student athlete, uh, student athletics and all that. So um, I was very fortunate enough to have good people though. Um, so, yeah. 
Was it during your time at Moorhead, once you started getting to where you wanted to be, you started earning All-American status, setting some of those school records, was that where maybe the Olympic dream started to become a little bit more real for you as you saw some success at the collegiate level? Yeah, so it was more um, back in 21 when I won the uh, Drake Relays 10K, um, which was just right after COVID and like you couldn't really travel more than, you know, a few states based on the NCAA rules. Um, and we had gotten into the Drake Relays 10K maybe a week or two before and ended up going, traveled Wednesday morning, raced Thursday night, Friday morning. I was already back in more uh, in Moorhead. Um, once I won that, I was like, hey, like, there's actually a possibility. Because um, not a lot of people say they have won the Drake Relays. You know, it's a very prestigious school uh, event to go win. And I think there are maybe over 100 years they've been running, uh, except through COVID, I think. They're the second longest relays um, behind Penn Relays, I think. I could be wrong. Um, and once I won that, I was like, okay, like, I have some, you know, possibilities beyond um college and i could go run whether it's you know more 10ks on the track or i could join some um, professional groups in the states um and that's kind of like when it started like happening i'm like okay 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 we could we could possibly do this and you know um and that's how kind of that dream started of like we can there's more to uncover um if you move up in the distance so uh, yeah that's when it kind of does started to click for me and you're in graduate school now in Moorhead, so you're balancing maybe the start of your professional running career along with still being in graduate school. I assume there's job possibilities that come with that after you, you're done with the schooling part of it. But is running kind of where you want to make a name for yourself? I mean, running only gets harder as you get older, so this seems to be the time that a lot of people right after college, maybe we'll put off uh, something else that they have planned in their life professionally. But is that the plan for you to to try to make running the, the first career? Yeah, I, I mean, that, that's the dream for everybody, right? From high school or middle school, they, you know, they see all these um, athletes that they watch on TV. I'm like, oh, I want to be that next person. I want to be that same guy. I want to have like, you know, have that brand behind me, you know, that uh, sports brand behind me. Um, but I mean, school is, uh, being in school, um, and then being able to compete, uh, competitively right now, professionally. And I still work a uh, full-time job, uh, which I'm very fortunate enough to have that allows me to work remote. Um, it's, a company's called Bush on the out of Fargo, and we essentially, um, help farmers. Uh, it's a software company. And so we help farmers, uh, sell their, you know, commodity to their local elevator um it allows them to buy their you know crop input you know anything for their farm like the seed fertilizer and chemical um so i'm able to do that on the sales side and um go find some new businesses and introduce you know i call it the spreading of the gospel of the bushel product um and so i'm on the phone a lot um, and they're very um, awesome team that allows me to, you know, they're flexible with me when I travel for races. Um, and now when I've been in Florida training, they've been pretty flexible with me. Um, but I think at the end of the day, like there are, um, you still got to get your like, you know, work experience, right? Because you can only run for so much um, as a professional athlete. And after you're done with your career, you got to have that career where you could put your degree to use, you know? Um, cause you don't go to college or like, Oh, I'm not going to put this degree to use, you know? 
Um, so I'm, I'm in both sides. Um, but it's a lot of time management, just like being a college athlete, right? Of classes, practice, homework time, but now it's just school, run, work. So, um, yeah, it's a good balance. So, if, you know, figure it out. Yeah, hopefully your company will allow you the time off uh, if you're able to make the the team because you'll be headed to Paris in July. So put that PTO request in now. Yeah, we might have to put that in here uh, in the next in the next week or two for uh, for that. But I think we'll wait um, until after the race, and you know, good things will come after it. So yeah. What are your expectations headed into the trials? You said when you came here to Grandma's, ran your first marathon. The expectation, the hope was to qualify. for the trials and you did that. So now you're in the trials. This is your next marathon uh, after grandma's. What do, you, what do you hope to accomplish? I mean, obviously you want to be in the top three and you want to make the team, but what would be a good day for you uh, going into this race in Florida? Yeah, I think uh, expectation. Um, a lot of people are going to be coming in with uh, some big, big goals, right? Um, and you just got to be able to realize that, you know, you're coming in with everybody who's going to be super fit. Um, and I think a good goal for me would be to finish as high as I can, um, right? Closer to, you know, whether that's being in that top three group, whether it's running 210, whether it's running, you know, the new standard for our um, qualifying in the Olympics is 211.30. Um, or maybe I don't run any of those and I end up dropping out. You don't know. Um Cause you don't know what's going to happen and if it's going to be a super warm day or it's going to be a beautiful day like it was in grandma's um low 50s that'd be perfect um but i think if i can finish as high as i can and really at the end of the day compete against those guys um who you know are around me um and i know if there's guys around me i'm going to be able to run fast and push them and also push me right um so If I can uh, get closer to um, the top of that uh, leader group, that would be awesome. Probably not everybody. Well, certainly not everybody in the trials that you'll be running against is in graduate school and has that workload on top of them. But uh, your story is not necessarily all that unique in that a lot of these people will have other jobs or have other obligations and aren't able to focus on the running entirely. But what does that workload look like? How do you balance it? Because You know, on one hand, you have this Olympic dream that you're talking about chasing. And on the other hand, you have the reality of the world and other things that you need to get done. So how do you balance those two things in your life as you go through the training process for what could be a race that changes your life uh, if you're able to be successful in it? Yeah, I mean, it, it comes down to um, managing um, your time wisely. And um, as an athlete, that's the one thing that, you know, coaches, advisors in college um, pound on you about, like, get better at your time management. So a lot of what that looks like on a day to day for me, it's getting up early um, now, like I'm very fortunate enough to be uh, in the Eastern times. And so I get an extra hour in the morning of working. Um, that I can get off to, you know, do more training. So um, on a regular day, it's 5 a.m. up, 6 to, you know, 8, it's running, workout, lifting, whatever that might mean. Um, and then maybe if I don't lift in the morning, that looks like the lunch hour. You go to the gym and uh, move some weights around. Um, and then after the work day, it's you get an hour um, of just kind of relaxing, snacking, 
and then you're back into training. And by the time you get back from training, um, you know, let's say like at six o'clock you start, um, then you're back. It's like, oh, shoot, it's nine o'clock already. Um, you got to go to bed soon. Um, so it's just kind of having those chunks. Um, and I was just trying to throw in some naps um, over the lunch hour. Um, but I mean, for me, it's, you know, they could be that, uh, this could be that life-changing race, you know, where um, I do um, get some financial support. Um, and then, you know, maybe I could, instead of working full-time, I could work part-time, you know, um, which I'm sure uh, Bushel uh, would be more than willing of, to be accommodating. Um, and so, yeah, you got the reality sinking into on the other side of, you know, you got to work, you got, you know, school to pay for, bills to pay for, you know, um, all those financial obligations, right, in the real world that, um, you know, you don't, that you still have to think about in order to keep going, so. Past the Olympic trials, then, what are some of the things, have you thought about some of the things you'd like to accomplish in the marathoning world? Um, you know, obviously, we at Grandma's would love for, you to come back, uh, not only to race here again, but we, it's been a long, long time since a Minnesotan has, has won our race on the men's side. Um, we always have a soft spot in our hearts, uh, for those Minnesotans who, who come run in Duluth. But have you thought about other things that you might set your sights on after the Olympic trials? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, uh, probably racing wise, um however i perform at the trials that's really gonna dictate you know where i could go where what i could do uh, but i would love to come back and run another grandma's whether that's uh the marathon early in the morning and only do halfway and so i can only look at um canal park just half of the way not the whole distance um or maybe you know come back for the marathon again but i would probably want to focus something um, for a fall marathon. Um, and then that might mean, you know, come run grandma's and um, that's, you know, the fitness test before getting into the marathon specific stuff in the, uh, for the summer. And so um, definitely do some summer races, late spring. Um, you need to figure that out uh, with coach um, after uh, we get done with uh, the trials. I, I would love to come back again for, for another shot of the marathon. So it would be nice to, to win. Yeah. Well, we'd certainly love to have you again. Uh, there's a lot of people in Duluth uh, that, that will be rooting for you and, and the others that uh, have run here in Duluth. It would be awesome to, to see a grandma's marathon connection on that Olympic team. So best of luck to you uh, in Orlando in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Thank you very much. Zach. It's been a, been a pleasure and um Glad that I was able to uh, qualify um, locally here from the uh, Grandma's Marathon crew. So um, look forward to coming back one day to run again. So Yeah, absolutely. Nadir Youssef, uh, one of the 147 connections Grandma's Marathon has to next month's Olympic trials. So one of the many people we'll be watching for and rooting for uh, from here in Minnesota. This Gearing Up for Grandma's podcast is brought to you by Essentia Health. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcast. Please subscribe, rate us, tell your friends. Scramas Marathon is proudly presented by Toyota, Members Cooperative Credit Union, and ASICS. Until next time, everyone, be well.